Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey everybody, welcome to Grow Bud Yourself, episode number 86. This is exciting. We got a great show for you guys this week. Uh, We have as our guest April Black from Higher Way Travel, talking about uh, cannabis travel all over the world now that things are opening up. Uh, I'm going to do a grow tip on transplanting your plants into larger containers and uh, answer some of your grow questions as well. All brought to you by Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Rocket Seeds, and Organic Rev Growth Stimulant. Stick around. Episode 86 is coming at you. What if I told you you could grow healthier, faster growing plants and increase your yield? Well, you can with Organic Rev. You can even try it out for free. Rev is a growth stimulant, not a nutrient. So simply adding Rev to your current regimen can deliver dramatic results. I've been using Rev and it works great. I tried it out on my houseplants first and they absolutely love it. They responded immediately by greening up and looking healthy and strong. Like me, many cannabis growers have turned to Rev to increase fertilizer efficiency, improve nutrient uptake and root zone development, stimulate seed germination, and reduce transplant shock. And for a limited time, Grow Bud Yourself listeners can try out Rev for free. Simply head to organicrev.com gby10, click on the free trial tab on the top left, pay $5 for shipping and handling, and get a free 4-ounce bottle of Organic Rev today. I know once you try it, you'll love it as much as I do. And you can get 10% off your first order of Organic Rev with the promo code GBY10. So visit organicrev.com gby10 and find out what Rev can do for your plants. All right, welcome back, and this is episode 86. As always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the amazing Grow Bud Yourself theme song. Uh, check them out. Jacques has been uh, twitching like a madman. Every Monday he does... Uh... Sounds horrible. <laughs> no, it's actually a good thing. He's on Twitch doing uh, reggae DJing, and uh, it's a wonderful thing you can put on, you know, on your smart TV or on your laptop and just go about your day, just jamming out to some really amazing uh, reggae, soul, hip hop. He's he's got a little bit of everything. Uh, so yeah, check him out. He's DJ Jacques uh, WBLK on Twitch, and I've been on there too as well. There's like a whole chat area. It's fun. It's nice. But this is episode 86. Mike, and uh, yeah. that's a pretty significant number for me. Uh, 1986 was a pretty pivotal year. A lot of things happening. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Mets, Red Sox was a big thing. <laughs> I actually grew up in Houston. A lot of people don't know this. I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm from Russia, and my family settled in Houston. Uh, so up until I was about 12, which would have been 84 or 5, uh, I lived in Houston and then moved to Boston. So Uh, I didn't really have a particular dog in the fight so much. You know, I just moved to Boston. Uh, The Mets had beaten my uh, Houston Astros to get to the World Series, which uh, was a whole thing. Wait, so you would uh, would become an Astros fan when you lived in Houston? Right. I mean, yeah, you know, I've never gone super crazy for anything. But yeah, that was the era of Jose Cruz and... 
um, yeah, the Astros were great. They played at the Astro Dome, which wasn't too far from us. And, uh, and yeah, so that was my team. And then, you know, I moved to Boston and they had just, you know, they also got crushed in 86, early in 86 in the, uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, by the Chicago Bears, something like forty-two to ten, or just an embarrassing yeah. loss. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was those uh, those eighty-six Bears uh, that just trampled over the Patriots. And then, so kind of, you know, my heart was kind of with the Red Sox uh, because the Mets had beaten, uh, you know, my Astros. But again, you know, in Boston, it was people were, were just bonkers over those uh, Red Sox, and you know, they really should have won it. They had it in Game Six, and. And that dribbler down the first baseline, no one wants to hear about, uh, and that whole situation. Uh, you know, my whole contention is Buckner shouldn't have even been out there. You need a defensive first baseman, just, you know, close it out. And I think, you know, McNamara put him out because, uh, you know, just out of respect and to have him on the field when the game was won. But, hey, you know, obviously backfired pretty bad. And then it came back uh, to game seven. Everybody knows the story, but... Uh, yeah, it's interesting. There's actually a really great documentary uh, that just recently came out. I think last year, uh, Jimmy Kimmel put it together called "Once Upon Once Upon a Time in Queens," and it really tells you a lot about those uh, those '86 Mets. Man, those guys could rage. They partied hard, and uh, yeah, I highly recommend people check that out. I think it's on ESPN. Uh, you can watch that "Once Upon a Time in Queens." Yeah, we've talked about those crazy people that made up the uh, the 86 Mets before Lenny Dykstra, Daryl Strawberry, Doc Gooden. Uh, there was, yeah, there was a lot of, of drug use and other things going on in that clubhouse. Uh, oh, to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> or to participate, I guess. That would be fun, too. Yeah, it's funny yeah, that I would eventually become a Mets fan. You know, mm. I moved to New York in, I don't know, 95 or so, uh, and... Yeah, I just sort of became a Mets fan. I couldn't be a Yankee fan after, you know, moving here from Boston. So That would be rough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the origin story there. But uh, for the uh, sports purists out there, uh, Dan, of course, he, he meant the 1985 Bears. They won the Super Bowl in January of 86, but it was the uh, the famous 85 Bears that season. They were incredible. The, that defense, uh, Mike Singletary and... Uh, ah, the fridge. And the fridge, yeah. Refrigerator he, Perry. <laughs> and Jim McMahon, we were talking just yesterday about him being um, yeah. in the, uh, the, the medical cannabis industry. Yeah, he's in the cannabis industry. Uh, cannabis space so to speak yeah exactly and uh they had some rap video that they made too that was <laughs> probably fairly regretful i'm sure <laughs> was yeah. that what it was the super bowl shuffle yeah yeah does not really stand the test of time i don't think it really even stood the test of back then but uh <laughs> you know it's interesting i was watching i can't even remember it was some sports documentary actually you know what it was it was it was um it was about suge knight and how he played uh, college football somewhere in LA for some uh, LA college and they had their own rap and then I realized that several teams in the 80s just got together to do team raps it wasn't just that yeah. Super Bowl shuffle maybe that started it I don't know but um oh even the Mets even those 86 Mets they had, they had some one? kind of rap that they oh yeah oh. oh yeah everybody it was I mean Rodney Dangerfield was rapping everybody Gosh. was rapping yeah <laughs> horrible yeah Interesting time yeah. in American history. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, we should maybe talk about our current time in American history a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What's going on out there? 
What's, what's happening in the news? Well, we got a show chock full of various things, but we, we wanted to just touch on a couple of stories quickly, make sure our listeners have some idea of what's going on in the world of weed. And the uh, the, the main story I thought we should talk about today is um, just, just recently, just about a week ago, Mississippi uh, legalized medical cannabis. The governor in Mississippi signed a medical cannabis bill into law, which is awesome. But right after that, the Tennessee Valley Authority, which is a federally owned uh, utility service that provides uh, most of the electricity for Mississippi, announced that they would not service cannabis businesses even if they are state legal. So essentially, they would cut off um, their services to any business that provided cannabis, even if that was a state legal business, because theoretically they're saying they're a federal a federally owned utility service. So for some reason, the Tennessee Valley Authority decided they needed to take it into their own hands to enforce federal cannabis laws. Now, this rankled some people uh, in Congress and um, among them Earl Blumenauer. And they, they wrote the TVA, the, the Tennessee Valley Authority, saying, you know, what are you doing? You're going to hold these companies hostage and not service them with electricity because they're providing cannabis to people. So, of course, the TVA just uh, the other day kind of backed off that statement saying we do want some guidance from the federal government about what a utility company is supposed to do when they're owned federally, but they are supposed to provide electricity to state legal cannabis businesses. So bizarre situation. Yeah, yeah. All the more reason that we need, you know, federal legalization, obviously, and banking and all of that just you know, it's really set us behind Canada and other parts of the world at this point. And, uh, and, and it, these kind of problems are going to arise because, you know, power companies are national and states have their own individual rules and nobody wants to run afoul of the federal government. Right. I mean, it's just it's a strange time that we live in where one state uh, you could be a millionaire and the other state you go to jail for 25 years. <laughs> it's just but, Bizarre. But this this seems odd to me. I mean, this is Mississippi is not the first state, believe me, to uh, legalize cannabis in some form or another. And I haven't heard of a utility company deciding not to provide services to those kinds of uh, companies before. Yeah, yeah. I think things in you know in the South are going to be a little more tricky mm. because of that. You know, they're and they could you know maybe there's someone at that company that's just opposed to to cannabis being legal and just doesn't want to fund it and doesn't want to be a part of it you know that could go up to the ceo of that you know the tennessee power authority or whatever it is so yeah it's a sticky wicket man it's it's troublesome and hopefully it'll also i mean they have a great climate there for growing outdoors as well i mean hopefully uh it won't stop them from growing and they can do uh greenhouses and outdoor growing but you still need power, <laughs> you know, right. even if you're not powering up a bunch of lights, if you're in a greenhouse, you're going to have some supplemental lighting, you're going to have all kinds of fans and things running on electricity. So, you know, even every company needs electricity, you know, it, it just seems strange that they would pick and choose who they will and won't give it to. But, uh, you know, there's, we've, we've, we've always been doing it and we're going to keep doing it. And that's kind of, you know, the way it is, I think. And I think they'll figure this one out. Yeah, well, on the plus side, we live in a time when enough people support cannabis, either recreationally or medically. And there was a bit of a backlash to this uh, announcement and they, they quickly backtracked. But yeah, but maybe we should talk about a more positive thing. 
and that is uh, Colorado broke a, a cannabis sales record in 2021. And a lot of people, they're, you know, obviously California is a huge market, and a lot of people are talking up the potential of the Northeast, the state we live in, New York, our neighbor uh, to the West, New Jersey. But Colorado has sort of quietly been killing it for years. And uh, they set a sales record for cannabis products. In 2021, they reported making over $2.2 billion in cannabis sales in 2021. Amazing. I mean, that's the industry is huge. Even, you know, just in that one state, imagine that multiplied by 50 states. And uh, you're talking about something bigger than U.S. steel, you know, bigger than alcohol, bigger than uh, a lot of other industries. You know, it could really be one of the biggest industries in America if we set it free. And sort of incredibly, there was another little piece to this, which is that Arizona, which almost comically uh, they legalized cannabis the same time as New Jersey and a couple other states. And in the first 11 months of 2021, officials there report that they took in $1.23 billion in cannabis sales. That's in Arizona. So that's what New Jersey could have made this year. Yeah, well, you know, it's just crazy how slow these things move even after they've been voted on and decided on and, and everything else. It's just the... This, the drudgery of bureaucracy and uh, politicians basically just not not being forward thinking about the money. I mean, the Colorado thing, since it went legal, it's something like $12 billion, You know, it's yep. just it's a ridiculous amount of money uh, that all these other states are missing out on. And some of that obviously is tourism. But some, a lot of that is people in Colorado choosing to spend their money on legal cannabis. And I think, you know, you look at Massachusetts and other places where... Uh, you can just go into a store and purchase cannabis and they're thriving and the places where it's much harder and you got to get a medical card and you got to do this and that and jump through all the hoops. Those are the places where it's, it's tougher, but uh, at least we know, you know, this in theory, we used to say, you know, this is a multi-billion dollar a year industry. And now we know it's even in just in one state, it's a multi-billion dollar a year industry. And uh, if we could just capitalize on that as a nation, we we really could, uh, you know, fix the roads, fix the schools, increase the quality of people's education and, and, and way of life and all the things that it's not a partisan issue. This is everyone benefits, Republicans, Democrats, independents, everybody. So, you know, it's really just uh, let's just get it done. It's crazy that we uh, we still have to wait. You know, even here in New York, they're they're threatening the companies that. Uh, have already opened up in the void just to try to be a part of an industry and create something. And now they're threatening those companies as well, uh, sending cease and desist orders on uh, places that have opened up. And, you know, it's reasonable from their perspective. These are just, you know, people that are just opening up. But that's the industry. We're coming out of the underground and, and trying to show that we can do this. We don't need uh, outside companies coming in. We don't need people who don't understand cannabis coming in and and trying to put these businesses together. We, we've done it in the underground and we can do it otherwise. So uh, uh, that's, you know, at least locally, an unfortunate turn of events. But uh, we keep fighting, keep moving forward. Yeah, and speaking of New York, so just you personally, how, how big do you anticipate this industry becoming? Because there, there are estimates 
let's say that by the time sales really take off in, you know, four or five years, that the state could be taking in something like four and a half billion dollars in sales annually. Now, that's that's twice what uh, Colorado just made in this record-breaking 2021. So do you foresee the New York industry being that large, being a, a national leader? Oh, yeah. I think that's a pretty low estimate, to be honest. I mean, the whole po- entire population of Colorado is 5.7 million people, you know, less than 6 million. That's Brooklyn. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> New York City is, uh, you know, is almost twice that size and in the surrounding area. And that's just a city, not even counting vast areas upstate. Uh, so I think five to 10 billion is, is a year is pretty reasonable uh, in four or five years in a legal New York market. And that's tremendous amounts of money uh, coming into the system and being used. I mean, it's taxes, it's everything. So it's huge. This could be, you know, one of the top three industries in the United States, uh, if we just let it go, unleash it. And New York, uh, including New York State and the city, I mean, think about how many people just visit this, the city. Millions a year just come to visit. Uh, this could be New Amsterdam again. That's but the way I see it. You do and have so, to take into account the uh, the competition if uh, New Jersey and Connecticut and Massachusetts and Maine and all of that uh, are also selling uh, legally. Yeah, yeah, I, I, of course, but uh, so many people come to New York City, right? Yeah, uh, and and the, the rest of the state. I mean, you've got Albany and and Buffalo, and there's all kinds of other parts of of New York State as well. So, uh, our and our population is is huge. Our ability to grow and and create great cannabis is is there. So, yeah, I think you know five to ten billion a year, no problem. All right. Well, you heard it here first, everybody. That's a hell of an estimate. I love it. Yes, New York has a great appetite for cannabis, so uh, hopefully that'll get started sooner rather than later. The tourists are coming back, you know, and that's, you know, kind of why we have our next guest on finally, because I've been trying to get her on for, for a while, but her specialty is cannabis travel. And, you know, obviously we haven't been traveling. Uh, so, but now that that's opening up, uh, I thought it was very wise for us to uh, bring in our next guest. Yeah, so, okay, that's enough news for now. Um, why don't we get to that interview? Uh, it, it's with our old friend April Black. Yes, indeed. April, who who uh, is with Higherway Travel, she found, co-founded Higherway Travel with her husband, Bobby Black, a colleague from High Times and now Leaf Magazines as well. And uh, the, the power couple uh, has you know, basically turned travel and cannabis into uh, a a business where they're going to help you go to all kinds of different places uh, and not just score cannabis or find a friendly place to stay, but uh, create an entire experience and really, uh, you know, get to know locals and, and find out what their cannabis culture is all about. And I think it's really amazing. So without further ado, why don't we take a break Uh, and come back with our old friend uh, and colleague, April Black from Higher Way Travel. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're gonna need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor Rocket Seeds has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. 
Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular CBD, or fast version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. All right, welcome back. And uh, we have a very special guest for you guys this this week. Full disclosure, we have been friends for decades, <laughs> many years, and uh, traveled all around the world. And uh, she is also the better half of uh, my colleague, Bobby Black, who's been a colleague with High Times and uh, now Leaf Magazines for many, many years as well. Um, and she is the head of Higher Way Travel uh, welcome, April Black. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. Uh, we've known each other a long time, but for people who don't know you, um, give us just a quick uh, rundown of uh, you know where you're from and how you got involved in cannabis to begin with, um, yeah. and then we'll take it from there. All right. Well, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona originally, and I got involved with cannabis by smoking it when I was 14, and I've been we've been best friends ever since and so I got into activism when I was about uh, 17 I went to my first 16 I went to my first first Earth Day festival say that five times fast first Earth Day festival and I thought oh wow that's really cool that there was all these different booths set up and there was this hemp booth set up and the Phoenix normal was there Arizona normal and that was back in the day when they had these like Arizona tax cannabis tax stamps that were still people were using but not really using and now they're collector's items so I, I learned about that and I met a lot of the local activists on the scene and that's how it all started and then I started working at a head shop when I was 21 and then started going to Vegas to all the um, you know champs trade shows and then that's where I met all y'all <laughs> yeah indeed and uh, yeah that's going back to you know the 90s and the early 2000s uh, and then uh you got involved with travel uh, and cannabis as well. Uh, we go back to, you know, I think the 2006 Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam, which, you know, thinking back now, that's, gosh, 15 years. Gosh, I know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's when uh, – so, so – so that was my first with- cup. That was my first cup. And I went out with there with the guys from 420 Science. And that's when I learned that cannabis travel was a thing. We stayed in this apartment um, right in the red light on Clover's nearest Bergen Wall, right by the Green Place, which the Green Place was the first shop I went to, the coffee shop I went to, but they weren't entering that year. But I met Mo that year. And uh Anyway, at this apartment that we were staying at, we had all five floors and they had bongs and leftover stash from people and a guest book saying, have a nice stay. We're from Austria. Have a great stay. We were here from Australia. So I just realized cannabis tourism is a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and so that got you involved with um, uh, CS Travel and 420 Tours. Uh, yeah. And they were basically, that was you handling uh hundreds of travelers going over to the cup 
Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about those those early experiences with, with those groups. Well, yeah. So they um, they needed a 420 gal. Or they needed a weed expert and someone who knew what they were talking about because they usually did spring break stuff. So, you know, I was like your friend on the other end of the line. And so I would just meet all the people that I booked the tours for because I was meeting and greeting them at Barney's with their gift bag. And so I was there along the whole booking process and everything. So when we met, it was like we were old friends and people felt really comfortable because a lot of times they were traveling out of the country for their first experience. And so it was like nice to have someone like me on the other end to meet and greet you and give you a big fat joint when you arrive. And uh, and I'm still friends with a lot of those people whose uh, trips I first initially booked. Yeah, it's really awesome. And uh uh, aside from Amsterdam, you've done this, uh, you know, in Hawaii and California and Barcelona and all over the world at this point. Um, yeah, let's talk about cannabis and travel. Like you said, uh, it's a thing where people can go and uh, have sort of guided tours of whether it be the social clubs or the coffee shops. Um, yeah, and, have and accessibility, not get in trouble or get fined in their hotel rooms for smoking you know, free to be themselves and not like worried that they're going to get busted in some other country. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's always great to have a friend on the other side, especially when you're traveling somewhere for the first time. It's, it, it's really important. Um, now tell me about the birth of higher way travel and how, uh, how that came to be. So that came to be through an old um, CS traveler of mine. He was working with the Hawaii Cannabis Expo and he reached out to me to build travel packages for the Hawaii Cannabis Expo. So I researched, you know, how, you know, the legalities of doing that here in California because we have really strict uh, travel consumer laws. So um, the Highway Travel was born. And uh, so I first started booking people to the Hawaii Cannabis Expo in 2017 and, or 2018, but I think, yeah, 2018, but I was working on that heavy duty in 2017, and uh, here we are today. Yeah, and some of these past events that you've done since um, 2017, I mean, they're not just, uh, you know, travel packages. You're literally, like, taking people um, to up to fields in Jamaica to to see the, uh, the gardens with the Rastafarians. Like, these are well-curated. Um, um, yoga is involved. Like, tell me... Uh, a little bit about like these experiences that you create. Sure, sure. Well, uh, in my past life, I was an activities director at a golf resort. So I'm really good at doing activities at resorts. I've been a yoga teacher since uh, 2004. And I have the cannabis travel side of me. So with my tours that I do, my exclusive events, they're small groups, maybe up to 24 people. I'm able to combine all this together and I have the accessibility and the relationships with resorts, with growers, um, different cannabis experiences that you couldn't just find on, I don't know, Travelocity or anything on really like that. And you couldn't really book it online. So I put together these really cool experiences that are maybe like five days long. And I just take people around and show them local insights. Uh, we brush on cultural uh, experiences. Usually we have a whole cultural day, like in Jamaica and, uh, this upcoming trip we have going on that I'm going to announce in a few minutes, but, um, 
Yeah. So we do a little bit of that. We definitely go to beaches. We take, we test, we try the local food. We uh, test the local weed and we connect with the locals. And a lot of the people on the trips also uh, begin lifelong friendships. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I had the pleasure of attending uh, Surf and Terps uh, in February of 2019 in Hawaii. And it was so incredible. Just one of my favorite memories uh, in my life, just being able to go up and visit the farms and go see the surfers on the North shore and, and all the while, you know, getting high on the bus and um, meeting the other people as well. Cause you, you tend to draw like a really cool uh, crowd of people with good vibes that just want to really enjoy this. So uh, I know you did higher health retreat uh, in Jamaica and then a couple of uh, baked on the beaches. Or two were in Jamaica. We did two baked mm-hmm. on the beaches in Jamaica, in uh, in Little Bay. And then, of course, COVID happened, so there was no more baked on the beaches. But now, baked on the beaches back. Yes, exciting. Baked on the beaches yeah, back, so. and I'm moving it to Oahu, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, up at the North Shore in Haleiwa Town, which is like old school historic surf town, like surf capital of the world. This event's going to be August 11th through the 14th, so the waves aren't going to be super big, but it's prime time for snorkeling. Yeah, and you know, when the waves aren't so big, it's like maybe you can paddle out if you're, you know, not the greatest surfer on earth. And, uh, you know, you can always enjoy uh, the shave ice and a lot of other uh, fun activities. Now, you know, you mentioned COVID, and obviously that played a major factor in how people traveled in the last couple of years. Um, but it seems to be that we're we're coming out of that. Um, is there other travel experiences besides you know higher health retreat and baked on the beach that you provide as well? Yeah, sure. Well, I also have this other event coming up called Greener Days, and that is going to be in June at the end of June here in California, all the way up in Trinity County. So that's way northern California in the infamous Emerald Triangle, and it's like at the border of. Um, Trinity and Humboldt County at this place called Soul Spirit Retreats. And they're also a cannabis farm, but they have six glamping tents with uh, running hot water. So you can get hot showers out there and it's just beautiful out there. And so this year I'm going, instead of higher health retreat there, I'm going with like building on what they have because they're a sustainable farm. They're dragon earth fly medicine certified, their son, or yeah, Sun and Earth certified as well. So they got those dual heavy duty uh, organic certifications. So I want to build on that and do a composting workshop with three types of composting and some natural tie dye uh, with using turmeric and different vegetables and stuff. Of course, yoga. I'm going to do like a color therapy yoga using uh, LED lights at nighttime to kind of go with the um, the flow of your body and the different chakras and use those colors to correspond with your chakras. we got a sound bath that uh, we have a big river float down the Trinity river with a native American guide who's going to teach us about the lands that we're on. And hopefully we'll see a lot of animals out there and um, we'll have lunch out there and pull over to the side of the banks of the river and swim and smoke and chill and all meals are included. And there's a few other things that are going to be included that I haven't finalized yet. So just still building things out, but that's what's on the books for 2022. 
That sounds amazing. And uh, for anyone interested in visiting, uh, staying on a cannabis farm and, and having that type of experience, uh, I would highly recommend it. Um, you mentioned the uh, farming and the uh, gardening. Uh, and I know you're a plant lover, <laughs> oh, yeah. like myself and, and many of our, our listeners. And you've done uh, uh, a lot of gardening of your own as well. Um, so do you have any, uh, you know, grow tips or advice or, or any ways that you um, perceive? Because you, you grow in raised beds. Yep, I go in raised beds in uh, this living soil that I've been working on for the past four years. So I know I still got a few years left to it's really like good, good, good. But I've been working on it for a while. You know, gardening is always trial and error. Now, if I was to refill those beds, I would lay wood in there, then compost and then leaves and stuff and then not put as much soil in. But hey, you're always learning with gardening. Right. Yeah. So you're talking about layering from the bottom, that kind of lasagna. From method. the bottom up, like if you're starting your mm -hmm. beds, definitely layer from the bottom up. That way you can really build your own soil because that's what it's mm -hmm. all about. All those good, delicious organisms working together in concert to feed your plants. Right. And, but even if you haven't done that with the wood at the bottom, you can still continue adding organic material on top. And, yep. and that's kind of, and, and so what are some of the things that you, you use leaves? Um, I use compost. leaves and wood chips and compost. I have a whole bed. When, when we had all of this, this uh, soil delivered, I had all this extra soil that was just sitting in our driveway. So we built a bed around it. There's nowhere I could take it really. And I didn't want to just lose it. So that's my compost bed. So now I actually just put my food scraps in there and have worms in there. So that's like a ver vermicompost bed in the driveway. So those are things I've been doing here at our house. You know, it's good being a homeowner these days because you can do weird garden experiments. But in California, you can have six plants in your backyard or more if you're sneaky or if you're permitted. But uh, so I, I grow my plants and they get pretty loud smelling come August, June, uh, the mm -hmm. end of July, August, September. But uh, my neighbors are pretty cool. They don't really complain <laughs> yet. Yet. I don't think they will. And I'm respectful. But, you know, you got to be preventative in the garden, especially if you're growing outdoors. You have to plan for pests. You don't really want to use, you know, a lot of sprays or anything like that. But the thing here that's been my biggest thing to conquer is those freaking worms. It's like tobacco worms, little caterpillars. They no. chew the leaves and... They'll go crawling in your bud and you have this beautiful bud and you don't even know it's in there. Then all of a sudden you'll see like some brown rotten spot and you'll just like open it and they shat inside of it and just eaten their way and it's just rotten on the inside. So what I've been doing, this is what I've learned to do at nighttime. I mean, I live in a residential area. Okay. So like I can't have a greenhouse and I don't have a giant backyard, but I do cover up the whole, my whole little grow with a tarp to prevent the moths from laying eggs on them at nighttime. And that mm -hmm. helped big time because last season, I think I, I only found like 10, 10, the whole, the whole thing. Nice. Yeah. What are some of your favorite strains to grow outside in Cali? Well, I have really like growing massive genetics, honestly. Like Shiloh, he's got fire genetics. So I was growing the lemon lepew the, the past couple years. And this year I'm going to grow the gasserita. 
And then a friend of mine who just gave me some random seeds with no name, I grew those out because they were like a super gassy purple. I just called that Sharon Jones. I'm not grading oh. it or anything. I just had to make <laughs> up a name for it, you know, right, put it in the right. garden. So I just named it after the singer Sharon Jones. But uh, yeah, R.A.P. She was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the importance of travel, I think, for the soul and for uh, the brain, just to, to understand other cultures even and yeah. other languages and other ways of life. You see all those different ways of life. You see how people suffer and you see how people really live. You go through like, you know, bad, na- not bad neighborhoods, but, you know, impoverished neighborhoods and stuff. But people are happy because their happiness lies within other things. And you see that and you get that appreciation, especially if you're connecting with the locals, not staying confined in some Walden resort that doesn't want you out of their walls. One of my biggest inspirations was Anthony Bourdain, you know, and how mm-hmm. he could connect. You connect through food, right? When we're traveling, mm-hmm. you connect through food, through music. It's helpful to know the language, but you always don't need to know the language. Yeah. And, you know, you put two fingers to your lips, you know, together and do the motion yeah. and step outside and made make some new friends. I think uh, it's really important. I think as we come out of COVID, you know, we hope. <laughs> we're coming out. It feels like it. It feels like it. And uh, and as we begin to travel more, I think hopefully it, it'll it'll be more enlightening for people as well. I think you, you tend to stick to your own bubble uh, when you're confined to the same place for a long time. True. And travel travel really frees you up. Now you you guys recently launched a new website. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, what people can find at HigherWayTravel.com. Yeah, Bobby redid the whole new website because we wanted to also add a couple local tours where we live here on the central coast of California, and we are a travel destination, and they have really gotten a lot cooler with weed, especially down in Grover Beach area, and Grover Beach and Pismo Beach, again, are um, their their travel destination, surf destination, it's kind of old school surf town, Pismo Beach. And what I do is two tours there. I've got the Buds and Butterflies tour. And so we um, have some coffee. I do some cannabis education. We do some dispensary hopping. And then I take you to the Monarch Butterfly Preserve. And so we do a little coastal hike, have a sesh, and then we go hit the Monarch Butterfly Preserve. This is seasonal, but this is a very famous place for the monarchs to migrate to as they overwinter. And the past couple years, the numbers were really low. Last year, they only counted 2,000 butterflies, but this year, just at Argro, there was like 25,000 they counted at the most. So the butterflies are making a rebound. So that's one tour. And then the other one's a yoga tour where We do the coffee and education and the dispensaries, but then we go to the beach and have a sesh and we do some yoga followed by snacks and drinks. Yeah, that's what I have going on here in the Central Coast. And then um, as as things open up and things kind of like look better and a lot more fun and less stressful for travel, we're going back to Europe. We want to do an Amsterdam trip. We want to do Spanibus next year, but I kind of want to do a South of Spain trip too and check out some um, hash making history and some rolling paper history down in the South of Spain. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, now, 
Tell me about this podcast uh, with Victor Pino, uh, High on Tour. Oh, yeah. Victor and I have this <laughs> podcast, and we just talked to a lot, of other, a lot of our other colleagues in cannabis travel, and we get the scoop on what they're doing, whether it's different tour guides or different people who offer experiences and stuff, and just uh, get, the, get the load down with those guys or gals, people. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I'm excited about uh, Baked on the Beach in Hawaii. I'm hoping I can make this uh, part of my uh, 50th birthday celebration. Yeah. Uh, I'm turning turning 50 in July. That's a big deal. <laughs> and uh, I feel like I could, you know, I could I could take this, the sting of that away a little bit uh, on the beaches of Oahu. Um, so let people know how they can find out more info, follow you on socials and stuff if they want to go to Emerald Cup, for instance, you can help them with that as well, right? Yeah. Yep. You'll be yep. down in LA. It's coming May. So my website is higherwaytravel.com, higherwaytravel.com. And uh, Instagram, you can find me at higherwaytravel. And we have a YouTube, higherwaytravel. We'll be uploading some more videos. So pretty much everywhere is higherwaytravel. That's awesome. Uh, thank you, April. Uh, give our best to Bobby as well. I, I highly recommend. Yeah, I highly recommend you guys check out HighwayTravel.com. Uh, go to our story and read about uh, Bobby and April and how they fell in love and and <laughs> became a, a power a power couple in the cannabis space. <laughs> power point of hitters. phrase I know you hate. <laughs> oh, power I love space. Uh, I love space. <laughs> I remember well, when I, cannabis I like to space. Joke first came out we were like oh man this is here we go yeah yeah I, my joke was uh i remember when the cannabis space was just a spot of the part of the house that you kept hidden from everybody yeah <laughs> and now Gosh. now it's an industry but uh it's it's an it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show and also to be your friend and uh, i look forward to more travel with you and bobby Me and too. all our friends all around the world. Uh, it's been far too long. So uh, once more, the dates for Baked on the Beach uh, in Hawaii. All right. Baked on the Beach is August 11th through the 14th. And it's going to be during the Perseod meteor shower. It sounds amazing. Uh, keep track at all the highwaytravel.com and Instagrams and everything uh, for more info and to buy tickets. Thank you so much, April. We will be right back after this with more Grow Bud Yourself. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweetleaf Plant Nutrients. Sweetleaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15.
Hey, all right, welcome back. And we are now in the cultivation section of the show. How's it going, Mike? Well, so far so good, but a big thanks to uh, April Black for joining us on episode 86. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy that, uh, you know, we're going to be traveling again uh, because uh, it really is a very enjoyable part of life. And I love uh, visiting other countries and, and other parts of, the, of our country and, and smoking all their weed for free. <laughs> Indeed. But that weed has to be grown, and uh, this show helps you get to that. And uh, speaking of which, each week, Dan likes to uh, discuss a topic of cultivation that will ultimately help you become a better grower. So what do you want to chat about this week? Yes. So this week I want to talk about uh, when and how to transplant uh, weed plants. Uh, so knowing when to do it and how to do it is very important. Uh, and my my whole philosophy on this has changed over the years, uh, kind of, I think, because, you know, in, when I got started growing, uh, it was kind of like the sea of green was the thing. And like a plant was just put into its container. You just you rooted a clone, you put it into the container, uh, you gave it a week, maybe two weeks tops uh, of veg time, and then you flowered it. And you could accomplish that in basically, a, you know, a rooting plug. Uh, you know, at, back then we used rock wool, uh, the little cubes, uh, we'd root in those and then we put that right into the container and the plants would be vegged and flowered and done. And you didn't have to mess with them at all. Uh, that was the thinking back then you, you crowded the plants together. You didn't give them a long veg time. Uh, that was the sea of green kind of thing that we did. Um, but over time, and I would also recommend people just plant the seeds in the container that you're going to grow the plant in. And, you know, over time I came to realize, um, with longer vegging times and with plants becoming root bound, that there is definitely times when you need to transplant plants. Um, obviously the first transplant is the one that goes from, uh, if you're growing seedlings, it's going to go from the small container that you pop the seeds into, uh, whether that's a, you know, rooting plug or some kind of even rock wool or whatever you might want to use for that. Uh, some people just use little plastic cups uh, for that. Uh, either way, you know, the container that you're popping your seeds in is not the, typically the container you should be vegging and flowering the plant in. Uh, they get root bound and they're not going to yield nearly as much as if they have space. More root, more fruit. Very important. So uh, you know, a root-bound plant is not going to yield nearly as much. Uh, and you're also going to have the possibility of issues because the roots are all kind of at the edge of the pot, at the bottom of the pot, all looking for something, looking for the next space. Uh, and this is important from the seedling phase and the cutting phase. So whether you're, clone, you know, rooting clones or growing out seedlings, uh, you can't let those stay in their containers through the whole vegging process if it's like just a little plug uh, and the roots are popping out of that plug. At that point, once you see roots coming out of the bottom of, of, uh, of your seedling thing or your cloning thing, immediately get that plant into a larger container. Water it in uh, and get it into the vegging stage and let it fill up that container and as you're maybe two weeks or so before you go into flowering, pop it into a larger container and have that be the final container. This is, you know, the three stage kind of 
way that I think is best at this point because uh, the plant is going to be in the vegging stage um, at least you know two or three weeks. That gives it time for those roots to spread out, um, and the plant will continue to grow and will kind of get close to root bound. And you kind of you want to time this perfectly and then pop it into the new new container, the flowering container. Uh, and you want to do this all very gently. You don't want to hurt the plant during transplantation. Uh, you want to prepare everything before you transplant. Prepare a, your new larger pot uh, with whatever kind of planting mix that you use. Uh, the other cool thing about this is you can kind of, uh, you know, the second, the vegging container is your vegging soil and you can boost it in the third container, your flowering container, uh, with flowering newts in that soil. So you can put in your uh, guanos and, and things uh, into that soil specific for flowering. And in, th in this way, you could really avoid using uh, bottled newts uh, in, or using a lot of bottled newts for sure, just by transplanting strategically into the right size pots. So typically I would say, you know, go from your first container, your rooting or your seedling container, which is tiny, usually an inch by an inch or slightly bigger than that, uh, into your vegging container, which could be uh, a 16 ounce cup or up to like about a one gallon container. And then depending on vegging time, uh, the next container should be your flowering container. And if your veg time is a month, that should be a five gallon container. If your veg time is two months, that should be a 10 gallon container and so on and so forth. And basically you prepare the new pot with some soil on the bottom, enough space for your new plant to get in there. Uh, water the plant before you transplant it. Make sure it's well watered. You don't want uh, pieces breaking off, pieces of the soil being too dry. Um, make sure that it's well watered and, and that it's absorbed that water. It'll The root ball will stay together. It won't crumble apart on you because that's, that's definitely stressful to the plant. Uh, you want to gently remove your plant from the original pot. Uh, I like to hold it by the trunk at the base with my hand, uh, turn the entire pot upside down and just kind of lightly tap it and sort of loosen the plant, uh, the plant out of the pot, uh, keeping that root ball intact. Then you can sort of use your fingers to gently loosen up, loosen it up so that it doesn't stay in that, um, container space, uh, get some of the roots at the bottom, uh, a little bit loose, but gently, and then place it gently in the new pot backfill fill in all the uh surrounding with the your fresh new soil uh until it's up to you know the basically the base of the plant you can also put the plant in a little lower uh than it was in the previous pot uh because you'll save space that way and roots will eventually pop out of there too uh then you just want to water everything in and fill in any remaining gaps uh, the plant might droop for a few hours when you do this. Don't worry about that. It will bounce back strong as long as you water it in nice, put it under your grow lights and get it going. All right, there you go, everybody. That is your grow tip for episode 86. And, uh, now it is time to take some questions from our listeners. If you have a question you would like answered on the show, uh, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we uh, we hop right in? Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. Okay, so uh, let's start this off with Stan. That is Stan from Virginia. 
And uh, he writes, thank you guys for everything you do. Uh, here's my question. I grew two Humboldt Seed Company Sour Apple Autos in my tent, but one germed about a week before the other. The first one I harvested and hung for 12 days, at least three days past the point the branches would break. That plant is absolute fire. It smells like a gas station blew up, and it produces what may be the best high I've ever experienced. Its sister, however, that one hung for only 10 days, uh, but it's now giving off a hay or yeasty odor in the jar. It began giving off that odor after only one night in the jar. I ended up leaving the second jar open in a cool dark place overnight the past two nights, keeping it sealed during the day, and it seems to be turning a corner in terms of odor, at least it's smelling a little bit less off. So what's going on? Did I not hang the second plant long enough? Is there something to check for other than popcorn nugs or breaking branches? Most importantly, what can I do to save the second plant's harvest? Again, uh, thanks for everything you do. So so what would you say here to Stan from Virginia? Yeah, I mean, I guess it sounds like the first one uh, dried a little too long or perfectly, and then the second one wasn't dried long enough. And I think those that three days past the point uh, is where you went right, uh, because once the popcorn buds and breaking branches... That's when you can then take those buds and put them in the jar and seal them and cure properly. If you put them in a little too early, which is what it sounds like happened to the second uh, plant that hung for only 10 days, uh, that and, and, and also, you know, it's how soon you open the jar as well. So you put it in there a little, a little you know, dry, but then you keep the jar sealed for two or three days. Uh, that moisture can come off as a more hay or a yeasty odor in that case. So all things being equal, the way you're describing things, uh, the lights, the newts, the soil, the strains, uh, I feel like, you know, the the first batch was hung at the proper, uh, was taken down at the proper time, and the second batch was maybe jarred up too early or uh, kept in the jar for too long of a period of time before burping. So, um uh, I think if you leave the jar open, I wouldn't necessarily leave it open for a few days, uh, but I would certainly let it air out a bit. Uh, and hopefully, you know, you can you can save it. But if, if there's any kind of mold or anything like that, you know, do not smoke it. But uh, otherwise, you should be fine. All right. There you go. Thank you, Stan from Virginia. Uh, let's move on to Facebook. And we got one from iPokesmot420. And uh, he or she writes, First, I love your show. I've only recently started listening to podcasts, and yours is definitely one of my favorites. Cannabis is my passion, and I feel I'll never be able to learn enough about it, and your show enlightens me on the regular. Huh? Nice words. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I wanted to ask you a question. I will be starting a single plant auto grow of creme de la creme soon. Do you think it would be better in a 20-gallon rope-handed bucket or a kiddie pool, which is 3 feet uh, by 10 inches deep? The medium will be a living soil that I'm building. My reasons on the kiddie pool are I've noticed that roots prefer to grow out rather than down. It would also give me some more room for uh, vertical growth. So what do you think, Dan? I poke smot 420. Yes. So my advice to you is... Uh, if you were gr wishing to grow a single plant in a large container like that, 
I would not recommend any kind of auto flowering plant. You mentioned that it's a uh, creme de la chem. I believe that's uh, Mephisto genetics and it's auto flowering, which means basically that very simply that when it gets to a certain age or height, it, be, it just automatically begins to flower. And the benefit of that is that you get, you can uh, plant a seed and harvest 90 days later and just have that plant under 18 hours of light per day uh, throughout the whole thing. Uh, but that plant is only going to grow for 90 days, and it certainly doesn't need 20 gallons uh, of, of space for the roots or any kind of a kiddie pool um, that's that big. It doesn't need that much soil. It doesn't need that much space. And it's not gonna, even going to get to the bottom of any of that by the time it finishes. So what I would say is for something like that, you know, five gallons, 10 gallons tops uh, is what I would recommend. I mean, I think five gallons is pretty good. And uh, for, for an autoflowering plant, that's plenty of space for the roots uh, to develop a good root system, uh, build a really nice plant for you, and not waste a bunch of space uh, and waste a bunch of soil that you don't need to use. Because, like I said, uh, an autoflower is not going to live long enough to take advantage of all that space. But if you were growing out some a plant that you were going to veg for uh, a month or two or longer, I would say, you know, for a 20-gallon rope-handled bucket, uh, I would give that plant a, a, that wouldn't be an autoflowering plant, just a regular or a feminized seed. Uh, I would give it, you know, a th I would say two to three-month veg time and then uh, the flowering time of the, you know the two months or so that it'll take to flower, and in that way you will get a big huge plant uh, with a huge yield, and you'll take advantage of all that space. But don't waste all that space on an auto that won't won't be able to uh, fill it out. Okay, thank you. I poke smart for twenty. Let's go back to email. Uh, Anaheim Angel writes. How often am I supposed to water my pot plants, and when do I start adding the liquid nutrients to my solution? All right. That's an uh, interesting question because uh, plants need to be watered differently based on how old they are, their age, and how much of a root system that they have. Um, so young plants with a smaller root system require much less water uh, more frequently, while larger, more established plants uh, will need a full soaking nearly every day, if not every day. Um, this is why kind of, I didn't mention this in the intro about, uh, the way that, uh, you should kind of transplant into larger and larger pots. But I found that if you plant a seed in a 20 gallon container, um, the roots aren't as apt to, to reach the bottom and, and continue to spread out and stuff. They'll just stay in a smaller space. So, uh, and it's because of watering. If you overwater, especially, they'll stay in that space. So um, the other thing is that flowering plants are also going to take up more water than vegetating plants uh, in order to supply enough fuel to build your buds and all that. Um, and you'll need more water if the plant is transpirating more. Uh, in containers, uh, a good rule of thumb is to pick the container up after watering, uh, and then you'll get an idea of how it feels when it's full. And then once things have dried out, you can pick that container up again and you can feel the, what it weighs without water. And these are two very different uh, weights that you're going to be able to feel. And eventually you'll be able to tell exactly which plants need how much water 
uh, at what time and act accordingly. Um, as far as nutrients, plants that are in soil mixes can usually go a few weeks with plain water uh, before you need to start adding nutrients. Uh, and then, you know, with hydroponically grown plants, uh, you're going to need a mild nutrient solution from a, the moment that they start showing roots. And uh, you've got to start adding flower, you know, vegetative and flowering nutrients uh, once those plants uh, begin to grow and be able to take in the water and the nutrients through their roots as they progress. So uh, the question is actually that, you know, it's different amounts of water at different times and different stages. And uh, you start adding liquid nutrients to that solution when whatever nutrients that are in the medium begin to run out. And typically that's, you know, two to three weeks after you wa start watering them with plain water, if there's nutrients in the medium, which sometimes with hydro there isn't. So that's why uh, it's different for soil and hydro, and it's different from different stages of life. Uh, but I hope, uh, I hope that helps you out. All right, there you go. Thank you, Anaheim Angel. Let's, uh, we got time for one more. So let's go to Beanie Man, and he writes, I've always grown from seeds, and sometimes it's annoying not to know exactly what I'm going to get. How would I go about taking cuttings or clones in order to have reliable strains growing that I could trust to be females with the same traits? So yeah, Beanie Man wants to take that next step as a cultivator. What would you say, Dan? Yeah, well, um, you know, before I teach you about cloning, you need to know about mother plants because that's the plant that you take the clone off of. Uh, so you're going to need a mother plant. Uh, you're going to need to make sure that that's the plant that is going to give you what you want. So you grow out a mother plant, uh, you take a cutting of it, you flower the cutting. The cutting is going to tell you what that plant behaves like and whether it's male or female. And then you keep that mother plant in the veg stage. Once you have a mother plant that is the strain you want to take clones from and grow and flower time and time again, then you need to learn the cloning process. Uh, and that process is basically taking a piece of your plant and turning it into a clone or an exact replica of that plant. Now, the reason people do this is to uh, fill up a room with plants that act exactly alike. Um, so you get a uniform growth and a level canopy height, and you get all the same strain in the same room. Um, so it's very efficient. Uh, you need a sharp blade. You want to take, you know, a three to five inch branch from your mother plant, cut at a 45 degree angle just below a node. A node is where the branch, you know, is removed from the stalk where the uh, leaf, or the fan leaf comes out and then the branch comes up out of there. You want to cut below that. Um, you want at least three sets of leaves above the cut. Uh, the cut end, you need to dip into some type of a rooting hormone, whether it's a powder and a gel. And then uh, very, very quickly get that cut end into your moistened medium of choice, pre-moistened medium of choice, whether it's rock wool or uh, soil plugs or whatever it might be. After that, clones need to be kept in warm and moist conditions. Uh, I like to use fluorescent lights for this uh, and trays uh, with the clones inside the trays and with plastic, uh, clear plastic cover over the tray. Uh, and I even like to use a warming pad underneath the cloning tray to keep it nice and warm. Uh, within about 
a week or so, you should be re- you should see roots visible coming out of the bottom of your cloning medium, and then they're ready to be transplanted into larger containers, and you can begin the vegetative stage of growth. At that point, you have reliable strains, uh, and you know they're females, and you know they can act alike. Okay, great. So thank you, Beanie Man. We hope that helps you out. And uh, that is going to do it for the Cultivation Q&A for episode 86. But if you just haven't quite had enough uh, cues for your A's, join us over on Patreon where we're going to do a bonus uh, grow Q&A. The question there is going to be about gorilla growing. So if you're interested in that, head over to patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Thank you to everybody who wrote in this week. If you have have a question you would like answered on the show, uh, email us. That, once again, is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we take a little break, come back, and wrap this one up? Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back. This is The Wrap. I want to thank April Black uh, from Highway Travel. Definitely check them out at highwaytravel.com. I want to thank the sponsors, Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Rocket Seeds, Organic Rev Growth Stimulant. Uh, We have codes and all kinds of things where you can save some money there. Uh, Also, the Patreon followers, we've we've got free Sweet Leaf Nutrients for you on there as well. Uh, Organic Rev, they got a great deal where you can try them out for free. Uh, just pay the shipping and handling of five bucks and you can get uh, some uh, Organic Rev growth stimulant at their website. And Vapor.com, if you're interested in uh, any kind of uh, vaporizers, and uh, of course I know you are because uh, I can't live without my Puffco Peak Pro, uh, you can get 20% off at Vapor.com with our affiliate uh link which is grow bud yourself 20 that is a code for 20 percent off i don't think they have a 20 percent off code for anyone else i think you know you can find this the 15 and the 10 percent off codes out there on the internet but 20 percent off everything site-wide at vapor.com with that code grow bud yourself 20 um it's pretty awesome so thanks to them and thanks to you guys for listening thanks to all the patreon supporters youtube subscribers uh, we love you guys. We really appreciate it. We hope you're growing your own and owning your grow. Uh, and uh, that's the event that I'll be at this Sunday uh, here in New York City in Queens. So if you're interested, uh, check that out on the socials. Me and Kyle Cushman are going to be teaching you not just how to grow your own, but how to own your grow. Because, you know, you don't want to grow for someone else for 15 bucks an hour. You want to own your grow. Um, so on that note, why don't we... Uh, You know, there's a dribbler down the first baseline. Oh, 
it gets through Buckner's legs. We're going to game seven. Put this one in the books. <laughs> 